The goal of most performers is to be so good their audience is captivated, a captive audience. But what if your audience has no choice because they're already captive? I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. This episode's guest isn't really country. He's more folk, Americana, whatever you want to call it. I just think he's an incredibly talented and authentic singer-songwriter. I heard about Matt Butler one morning when I listened to an interview with him on, full credit here, NPR. They were talking to Matt about his music and also about his one-man show, Reckless Son, which is based on his experiences performing to the incarcerated, first in upstate New York in 2015 and now at prisons all over the country. His story drew me in. His singing and songwriting hooked me. His catalog isn't large. He's never had a hit record, but his story is so unique and so perfectly illustrates the power that music and art can have when used for something more than just putting gold records on a wall. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what Matt chooses to chase. He's one of those artists who's inspired by something else, something deeper and seemingly less tangible. I was curious to find out why and how and i hope you are too here's my interview now with matt butler and this is a little bit of a different interview i was telling you before we got started primarily i talk with uh contemporary uh country hit songwriters uh once in a while i'll have a chance to talk to somebody who's maybe a little out of the mainstream um and i i would like to talk to to more people like that uh, because i think you offer a completely different perspective on the art and craft of songwriting and you caught my attention because not only are you a great songwriter and and singer but your story is just so incredibly compelling so let's just dive right in first of all how did you what drew you to 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 music have you always been musically inclined well um well first i'll say thank you for having me on the show i really appreciate it and having the opportunity to to chat with you um i would say as far as have I always been musically inclined? I think the answer is probably yes, but I would also say that there are other things that came much more naturally to me when I was younger than music did. Uh, And I think as a kid, I was more prone to want to do things that came easier to me because you kind of get clapped on the back for it, you know, and you get, some positive reinforcement. And I think uh, it was tougher for me to kind of risk making a fool of myself in front of people, especially when I was, when I was a kid. And uh, I think it took a lot of building up of internal desperation to sort of get me to the point where, you know, I was like, all right, I'm 49% terrified of doing this thing, but I'm finally (laughs) 51%, you know, desperate enough to give it a try. And, uh, you know, so, so I would say my path was inevitable, but reluctant and trepidatious. <laughs> and, and, it, and, it, and it still is, if that, if that makes sense. But that's a, that's a great way to, to, to describe what you do. And I'm, I'm fascinated that you, you say that there's, you know, terror involved, um, especially because you write from such a personal place. Most of the songwriters I talk to, you know, they're looking for a hit. They're trying to hit that, that, that bullseye. And you are not that you are more, much more in the, the, the folk slash Americana uh, style of music and, and your lyrics and your writing are very literary and very, very personal, which we'll get into a little bit more. Does that add to, you know, that, that trepidation when you're, when you're performing in front of people? 
Well, there's there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of elements of that question that I could touch on. I think uh, as far as my songs having a bit of a literary quality, I would say that you know my first like love, I think, as far as the arts are concerned, uh, was literature. I think I tried to I attempted to like write a novel when I was like six years old or seven years old, and and I I, I used to love writing stories and. Um, I have for the past year and a half since the pandemic, you know, worked in a indie bookstore here in New York and, um, I'm surrounded by books kind of at all times. Um, you know, so I, I would say I draw tremendous amount of inspiration from that. And I think being around literature and around books is a way of sort of being on an adventure all the time without necessarily even having to travel anywhere. Um, but as far as, you know, the, the difference between a, myself and someone who's more of a commercially motivated hit songwriter. I mean, I think every songwriter would probably admit to wanting some kind of a hit song at some point. You know, I don't think I would necessarily be opposed to the idea of it, although I can't say that I'm fully aware of what it would lead to. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't fully understand or comprehend the reality of what it's actually like to have some sort of ubiquitous hit song and how that changes a career for good and bad. Um, but I would say that there's probably something that I have in common with somebody like that in that I think we're both looking for some sort of universality in what it is we do, even though I write songs that, that seemingly have a lot of specificity or specific narrative. I think that, you know, a hit songwriter is trying to find some sort of an insight to experience that, you know, is relatable to a large group of people, you know, like just a phrase or whatever it is, or an experience or a feeling that you get from a certain melody or, or whatever that just connects. And everybody can say, like, I I get that. That's me. I recognize that in my life. Um, And I would say that I am striving for that as well with my music in the sense that I am definitely striving to write something that that can make maybe a a specific experience. Like for me, a lot of my music has to do with incarceration and and people who are, who are in jail. I think something that I've strived to do is to, is to take a specific experience like that and then maybe put that in a way that feels relatable or universal or something, you know, becomes something that somebody can, can, can sort of empathize with. Uh, Does that all kind of make sense? Absolutely. And you mentioned you play before uh, groups of incarcerated people. And that was the other thing that that drew me to you. You are um, by osmosis or or however you want to put it, uh, taking some of their experiences and stories and, and, and turning them into songs. But that's not to say you're you're copying their ideas because you were writing really deeply personal stuff before you started playing for prisoners. Well, I would say that, uh, you know, in, in my songs, there is always a bit of myself and there's always, you know, I think a bit of somebody else's experience in a, in this one man show that I've written recently called reckless son, where I develop, I deliver spoken word monologues that introduce the songs um, and the stories behind them. And one of the points that I make is that sometimes the character is me and sometimes the character isn't. And uh, music has always been sort of 
I wouldn't call it therapy, but I would say songs can become like evidence of change, you know, that, that, mm. that's occurred within me. Typically, a song arrives for me after I've had some sort of a experience or some sort of an internal process. I, I, I kind of think of songs as almost as secondary in that, like, there's some other growth that occurs for me internally. And then the song comes out almost the way you might shed a skin, you know, and the the song is almost evidence of some kind of a transformation that I've had. And, and sometimes, you know, the songs are narrative and they tell a specific story. And then sometimes they're more abstract and the lyrics become something that almost serve as, mission statements or prayers or guideposts for me. And, and so, you know, they become something that I almost feel I need to like live up to, if that makes sense. Like I could write, I, I could write a song and then feel like, wow, okay. I have to now try to live up to this lyric. I should try to live and and, and try to embody this mm. message, you know, as best as I possibly can. Um, I don't know. Does that does some of that, some of that <laughs> register or land? Yes, absolutely. How did you start playing prisons? Uh, I, I remember uh, reading something from you. You were you were terrified of playing a prison for the first time because you weren't sure what, <laughs> how you were going to be greeted. How did, did that all all come about? Because that's a a very big part of a very interesting part of your story. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would say that I was terrified then, and I, I still am pretty frightened to perform in general. You know, I was, uh, and, and interestingly, I think I'm often more afraid to perform in venues, in like normal venues, than I am in prisons. For some reason, at this point, I think, I think I actually feel more comfortable walking into a correctional facility than I would into Rockwood Music Hall in New York, even though I've played there a thousand times now, let me ask you real um, quick have you ever been incarcerated you've never been incarcerated have you no no i yeah. have not the most that i've ever experienced is that i've spent you know a night or two in the drunk tank and in central bookings here in, mm-hmm. in New York. but i have never i've never been incarcerated now right so how did it come about then it's it's not every day that a singer songwriter get gets asked to, to, to play a prison sure sure well i would say you know, it began the first time I ever performed in a facility was the uh, it was in 2016, and I performed in the Albany County Jail, uh, in the, you know, in the in, in here in New York. And at the time, I had been working on music for a documentary film about teenagers that were struggling with drug addiction and substance abuse, and uh, and it was about these these sort of specialized recovery high schools that had been created to support them on, on, on their path to recovery. And as I was working on the music for that film, I was introduced to a huge network of people that I feel I would have never had exposure to otherwise. And that included social workers, various types of advocates, a lot of people that worked within the nonprofit world, uh, you know, at charities and, and also, you know, people who worked in, in criminal justice because there's a lot of overlap between addiction and recovery mm-hmm. and advocacy and criminal justice because so many people that are incarcerated, you know, have issues with with, with substance abuse and, and so forth. Um, and at the time I was working on the film, 
I saw a video on Facebook of men. It was 2016. It wasn't. It wasn't TikTok. It was Facebook. I saw the video on, and uh, and I saw a video of these of these men who were incarcerated in a in a in a county jail in Virginia, and they were in what was called the HARP unit, the Heroin Addiction Recovery Program, and they were singing, and I was really moved by them singing together. And, and, uh, you know, on one hand I thought that maybe, you know, some of the songs that I'd written, as as you, as you mentioned, I'd written a lot of personal songs up to that point, you know, things that, that, that made me a viable candidate to write music for a documentary about drug addiction. And, uh, and I, I thought to myself that, that, you know, that maybe they would get something out of these songs that I was writing. And then there was also another part of me it just really, really recognized that, like, you know, it's funny. This is sort of a, a, a bit of a theme of our conversation here, that music in that context meant something so much more than entertainment. And uh, there was such, like, a deep purposefulness to what I perceived was happening. And there was such a soulful and healing component to what was going on. And... I wanted that very badly, and it's what I still crave and am drawn to, this idea of, of um, being purposeful and useful with, with the music that I create. And, uh, you know, and because of the people that I had met during the course of working on that film, I, I reached out to some, some folks that, that kind of had some access, and I wasn't directed to Virginia at that point, although, although I've subsequently performed in that exact facility now maybe 10 times but i was given the opportunity to go up to albany and uh i had no idea what to expect and i had no idea how anybody was going to react um and i didn't really know what i was doing at all but you know i i i found myself there and you know what what else what other choice do you have when you get up on stage it's just you gotta play you know and and, uh and so that's what happened and it ended up going really well you had a prisoner come up after you performed uh, one of your songs, and it's just a, a great short story, but the song is called Time to Be a Man, and I think you were still like unsure how your music was being received, and this guy kind of validated you a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That that story, which I had mentioned on that NPR interview, that was like a really big, that was a big moment for me. Um, I'm still trepidatious at times about, some of the songs that I write and perform. And I think that's, that can be actually a good sign. Um, if you're a little afraid to play something for people that, you know, that, that sometimes means that you're on to something, but I have written um, and recorded a song called time to be a man. And uh, yeah, I was very afraid to play that for the first time in the correctional facility because I felt that it might be perceived as condescending or as patronizing or as critical. You know, I, I never want to feel like I'm, you know, preaching or lecturing or talking or singing, I should say, singing at somebody, you mm-hmm. know, and in that, in that context, you know, it's, it's never what I have intended. And, um, you know, the, the message of that song is a little more, is, you know, it has some nuance to it, but I wasn't sure how it was going to go over. And uh, this guy, a very intimidating and large fellow, you know, 
looked at me and stood up after I finished performing the song. And he said that that, that song really, you know, really asked with me. I don't know if we can swear on this podcast or not, but, but he certainly did in that moment. And, uh, and I was, <laughs> I was definitely checking to see where the captain was. <laughs> and, you know, I, how close I, he was to me versus how close the nearest door was and where, you know, can I get there before he gets to me kind of thing. And, uh, and it wasn't what happened at all. Um, you know, he, what, what really what ended up happening was that, that that guy ended up coming clean about the fact that he had uh, been dishonest with some, some people in the unit about some serious things. And, you know, and, 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 for whatever reason, that was the moment that, that he chose to come clean about it. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it was like, it, it was a really powerful thing because by doing that, he took a massive risk as far as the consequences of what could have happened. You know, he had, he had admitted to having relapsed on something. And, and it was just a moment of like, wow. I grew up. In a quiet town where most folks don't want to step around Except for guys like my dad Hometown pride's all he ever had When I was a boy one night he came home He said I, I lost my job and your mama's gone He pressed that bottle into my hands he looked me in the eyes and he said, son, it's time to be a man, time to be a man. When I turned 16, I dropped out of school. I was never any good at following rules. I started selling pills to pay my rent. I started taking on so wonderful that, that the facility ended up sort of embracing him, the, the staff, the, the, the sheriff and the captain that, you know, took a stance toward it where they really embraced the guy and offered him help rather than saying, we're going to add another five years to your sentence or, or whatever could, you know, this, who knows what could have happened, but the guy, the guy gambled, you know, by, by, by doing that. And, uh, and, I was blown away. I was truly blown away, and it was it was a, it was like a miraculous moment because because like I said, he, that guy was was received with open arms, and and uh, you know, and, and I just I hope he's doing well today. You had an album come out in 2016. The title track. Reckless Son. I want to re- re- read some of the lyrics from it. Trying to talk with my old man, 
says he knows me better than I'll ever understand, but he still can't explain the things I've done or what it's like to be the father of a reckless son. Did that come from your own personal experience? Is that is that Matt Butler talking? Yeah, well, Reckless Son is a song that I, you know, and Reckless Son at this point is now sort of an emblem for me. It's like that's the name. I, I, I you know, I've been releasing music under the moniker Reckless Son recently, and the name of the one-man show that I that I wrote is called Reckless Son. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's sort of this 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 like moniker or alter ego that I, I've kind of put on. Um, but even though, you know, reckless son is sort of a moniker, like I said, and, 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 uh, persona, uh, yeah, that song is definitely, you know, something that, that comes from personal experience, but that I have a hunch is not unique to me. And, um, you know, I certainly have had the experience of, of having some, some tension and difficulty with with my my father over the years and i think you know a big challenge for me but a very important one has been coming to try to empathize with his with 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 him and his experience of what of what you know the what the other side of a of a particular mm-hmm. story look like yeah you know and and um to sort of put those words in my father's mouth in that song to say, you know, you don't know what it's like to be the father of a crazy kid, you know? And, and uh, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, there was a long time where I didn't think about the pain that I could put other people through with my own behavior when I thought I was primarily, you know, just doing damage to myself. But, you know, coming to learn to empathize with another person's experience, I think is, one of the great life tasks that every human being, I think, is sort of uh, offered. Well, I've been trying to talk with my old man. He says he knows me better than I'll ever understand. But still he can't explain the things I've done. What it's like to be the father of a reckless son And for all the years I made sure I was known All the liquored up conversations Where I played deaf and dumb And for all the screaming angels in my heart and in my head Not a word was spoken until my father said Oh, I can't hide you from your own hands Or lift you from your knees But I'm preparing myself to have to dig your grave We'll both be humbled by the will of God And the wrath of your disease But how could any man have to be so brave To know that nothing can be done Father of a reckless son. How do I how do I put myself in somebody else's shoes here? And that's what I think an artist and a songwriter is supposed to do by nature, you know, is, is develop their sense of empathy. But I think it's probably 
harder than ever. Do it with somebody, you know, that's so close and that you have potentially such conflicted or ambivalent emotions towards. You're the father of a reckless. Oh, and I know you're about to see me walk into the rain. When you knew you couldn't pull me back. But your love was never shown to me in vain. You put your arms around me. Oh, and the walls begin to crack. But I know. One of the one of the interesting things and, and parallels that uh, that you have in common with many of the you know the hit songwriters that that I've spoken with is several of them have talked about you know like I said earlier they're trying to write a hit they're trying to write something that's got you know a lot of common denominators that a lot of people can relate to but some of the biggest hits that I've talked with writers about have been songs that they just wrote for themselves from their heart about an experience they had. And they were almost to a writer shocked at how well others would be able to really, the irony is you're writing something deeply personal and yet it's, it's universal. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think that's absolutely fascinating. And as an, artist as a creative person that's got to be about as close to fully satisfying as it gets well probably i haven't had a hit song so i couldn't tell you exactly how, how that the, would feel but but my it. point is the, the the fact is these songs they are hits for the the audiences that you are playing them to maybe they don't have national recognition but these songs are ringing a bell with a lot of different people, you know, your, your regular fans uh, and, and your fans who are incarcerated and, and everything in between. These are songs that, that resonate. And I would bet the more personal the song, the more surprisingly it resonates. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and I, 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 you know, I, my, my self-deprecation, I think is probably, you know, probably <laughs> something that <laughs> you, you'll get from a lot of, a lot of folks, but I, but I do appreciate you saying that because it because it, it is true, and I would say that you know my goal with writing a song is often you know to have something that creates you know some sort of an emotional experience in, in the listener, and um, that song in particular, "Reckless Son," you know I can remember playing a concert at Chillicothe Correctional Institution in Ohio, which is like a state prison, and it's a place where they keep death row inmates and it's a it's a pretty intense facility it's a very intimidating facility and and i I played a very powerful a concert that was very powerful for me there and um i remember shortly afterwards one of the one of the counselors that had been there uh told me that after hearing me perform reckless son that uh one of the guys you know on his unit reached out to his father Mm. to talk to him and it was the, mm. one of the first times 
you know, it's like the first time he'd spoken to his father in, in countless years. Um, and so as far as the idea of like having like a hit song in that, in that context to me, then that, that certainly, you know, if, if, um, if a piece of music could have, could have some, you know, some impact where it nudges somebody to do something like that, then, then, you know, then I would say it is, it is a hit, like you said, and it's successful, uh, in that sense. Um, I'll tell you, I'll say this. Yes. I would rather write something that was personal and that I was proud of that did poorly than write something where I was trying to please everybody and then have that do poorly as well. I think you can fail with both of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I certainly know that I would feel a hell of a lot better knowing that I did something that I was proud of or that I felt good about rather than, you know, I, I failed attempting to attempting to, to write something that was formulaic or, or, you know, had a lot of common denominators in it. All right. And you were just talking about that prisoner who reached out to his father. And that leads me to uh, another one of your songs, uh, which is called Just One, which that's basically the message of that song. You know, if you can help just one, then it's, it's been worth it. Where do you get, talk a little bit about that song and where do you get your sense of altruism from? You're a really selfless guy in an industry that is full of people who are anything but well i I appreciate that and and you know and i think uh that's an interesting i'm just thinking like i i think uh people that know me well and live with me on a day-to-day basis might think i'm more of a pain in the ass than you just described me (laughs) (laughs) but uh but i think you know um that song particular just one is one of those songs that like I mentioned earlier, where I feel like I write something or something comes through me and I'm like, wow, I should, I need to try to live up to that. Um, you know, and I need to try to embody that. And that, that song, the lyric of that song sets a pretty high bar as far as, you know, who I'm, who I'm going to be and the kind of artist I'm going to be, but, but more than that, the kind of human I'm going to be. I think I asked too many questions. I know I'll never understand How to help all those around me When I am just one man And there's so many who feel helpless That there's just too much to be done subway stop with her waiting for a train and I remember her saying how frustrated she was with her job and she was like if I could just if I could help just one of those kids and it was like I think every songwriter that's listening to this podcast will know what I mean when I say like that was the 
I got the the, the, the shiver, you know, I kind of got like my, <laughs> my spidey sense kind of uh-huh. went off. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, I almost was tempted to say, hey, you know what? Let's go to a, let's go, let's go to this thing some other time. I got to go home for a minute. <laughs> another hour but i know we gotta wrap this up please tell us about the one man show and and like is it out is it gonna tour i mean what are is there a chance that we here on the west coast will be able to see matt butler reckless son sometime soon on a stage somewhere yeah so so reckless son i'll just quickly describe what it is it's it's a one-man show a solo show it's it's it's, you know it's spoken word monologues that introduced songs that I that are you know written and inspired by my time performing in, in correctional institutions and really from beginning to end it's it's the story of a bunch of years that I spent on the road doing this you know it's, it's like kind of a Jack Kerouac Woody Guthrie thing you know like what was it like to, to see America basically by by traveling and touring its prisons um, and the music is out. That's where you were able to hear Time to Be a Man, and you, you find it online under Reckless Son, not under Matt Butler. Um, and, you know, so the music is, is out. I have been performing the show uh, in small engagements, but ideally, yes, this is something that I want to be bringing to performing arts centers around the country and to schools and to colleges, you know, universities and institutions and, and uh and it is, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's it's just sort of me and my guitar and these stories. And um, I, I, I am definitely going to be putting it on the road sometime, hopefully this summer and after the summer. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. And if it comes anywhere near Sacramento, I'll be in the audience. Uh, you're a terrific writer, terrific singer. Um, sound like a pretty good guy, <laughs> and I can't <laughs> I can't thank you enough for for taking time today to uh, to, to talk with us. Um, it's just a, cool to hear a different aspect of songwriting from a different kind of songwriter. And the stuff you write is just, like I said earlier, it's super personal, but I think at the same time, it's super relatable to a lot of people. And the songs that we've t- uh, touched on here, it's just the tip of your iceberg. And I would encourage anybody, go, d- go down the Matt Butler rabbit hole. Uh, you, you won't be disappointed. Thank you, man. You got it. I really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you so much.
And that will do it for this episode of Write You a Song. Thank you again to Matt Butler. And again, Matt's one-man show is Reckless Son. Go to his website, mattbutlersongs.com, or check out his socials. We're on the West Coast, but his show may be coming to wherever you live, which would be awesome. Write You a Song is produced and recorded at KNCI Studios in Sacramento, California. If you like the podcast, please rate it, give it a review, share it with your fellow songwriting deep dive nerds. And if you're new to it, go back through the archives. Nearly 40 interviews from the past four years with some of the biggest names and most talented songwriters in mostly country music. Thanks again for listening.